This is the Going in Circles podcast, hosted by Horseman Chuck Simon. To become a sponsor, to suggest topics, or for questions, email goingincirclespodcast at gmail.com. And log on to our Facebook page, Going in Circles Podcast. Here's your host, Chuck Simon. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Going in Circles Live. Uh, we are... In that period of time between the Preakness and the Belmont, that there's a little bit of a, a lag. This uh, uh, this has been kind of a crazy time for racing in that uh, we've had um, a ton of news every week. We've had controversies. We've had all kinds of uh, crazy things. And this week it was kind of quiet. And as such, the opening of Monmouth Park and the, uh, the lack of... A whip use is uh, taking center stage, and you know Monmouth is drawing today for Saturday. They have a uh, they race Twilight races, uh, six race cards on Fridays in this uh, abbreviated meet um, where they're only racing two and a half days at this point, and they uh, they are scheduled to draw sometime this afternoon. It's little after 3 o'clock Eastern as we're taping this. And um, supposedly the the entries are, are solid, and that's not all that surprising. I'm sure there's quite a bit of turf racing, and that, of course, uh, is music to the ears of many of the year-round trainers in the Northeast who who don't get a chance to run, run their turf horses in the winter. Um, but, of course, uh, this... Uh, there's a lot of ways to describe it, but uh, perhaps um, a poorly conceived whip rule has really kind of taken center stage. And uh, you know, Monmouth today, Monmouth's racing secretary came out and made some threatening comments after uh, Dennis Drazen had made some sort of cryptic, cryptic comments on Steve Big Show yesterday, um, which seemed kind of ludicrous that, that to think that the racing commission is going to try to act against uh, jockeys who might encourage others, you know, to perhaps participate somewhere else. They're all independent contractors. They're, they're not, uh, um, I'm, I'm sure there's no threats being made. It's, uh, it, it's just gotten to be to the point where um, it's just not handled well, which of course is a, is a racing, um, it's something the racing does really poorly, you know, handling things poorly. Uh, it shouldn't have got to this point. Uh, Mammoth is kind of the unwitting. Um, uh, they're kind of in the middle. They didn't. Uh, I'm sure this wasn't a rule that they designed or 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 pr- probably are approving of. But this is the thing: was that, that we're regulated in so many ways by non-raising people. Though you'll hear people make stupid comments like, "Oh, well, racing shoots itself in the foot." It's not racing. It's not racing. Um, the people on the race New Jersey Racing Commission are not racing people. And, I mean, there's only four of them, which still, to me, seems... Um, it just seems crazy that uh, a board that is supposed to have nine people can be functioning as they are with four. And there's no reason not to have that board have a full complement of members. And that's just another drop of the ball by... Uh, the governor in that state, which is, uh, again, 
racing just doesn't get the respect that it should. And uh, it's it's some of the things that came out of the uh, open discussion from the um, the New Jersey Racing Commission meeting the other day were just ludicrous. For the New Jersey Racing Commission, a bunch of, of people that don't know anything, obviously, about horse racing, to actually believe that these rules are going to, number one, increase attendance. That That's just just painfully naive. And, and increase handle. There's just no evidence that this is, is so. Um, I, I just have a big problem with that. And in the end, they're going to find jockeys to ride. They may not all be the guys that or girls that uh, the connections are, are, are wanting to ride, but there's going to be enough jockeys. You might, you never know. You might get to a situation where, um, you know, a couple jockeys get suspended because no one really seems to know how this rule is going to be enforced. Uh, so, uh, I guess it's it's not that far fetched to believe that that some of the jockeys are are going to be, uh, you know, getting days and and being set down. Um, out of not even not that they're not going to try to follow the rules. It's just that when you do something for so long to immediately just change the way um, you react naturally when you're a rider, um, riding horses is the same as, as, as any other activity that involves um, muscle memory and, and the experience that you've had. And we're talking about some of these jockeys that have ridden thousands and thousands and thousands of horses. They've been in situations thousands of times. And I'm not even going to bring up the safety concerns because I'm not a a jockey, obviously. And um, they've, you know, there's been quite a few jockeys that have tried to explain this in a lot of different forms. So um, I, I take them at their word. And it's, it's just that, uh, I really have a problem with some of the language that's used, uh, even in 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 the supporting this this rule, which is of course everyone's prerogative. But this is not uh, a horse show. This is a competition, and people are betting on these things. People are are spending real money to have these horses trained and, and and they're wagering on these these races the races the races they're not a parade um and i know that this is a tough time to try to uh express your thoughts about this because an animal is involved and you know people always say well you know the animal can't talk which of course is true but if we're going to have this, then we have to have competition and we have to have people trying to win. Um, that doesn't mean that we're all in favor of beating horses. I was always a proponent of uh, jockeys not hitting horses, especially excessively, because it just uh, there's no point in punishing a horse that's trying their best. And after a while, a horse that's not trying their best, they're not... It gets to be pointless. They're not going to. 
Some of them just aren't cut out for this. Um, and racing dropped the ball a long time ago. Racing drops the ball in almost everything. It, it's really kind of frustrating because so little foresight is, is ever, everything is reactionary. It's all reactionary. Uh, and this, they're, they're trying, <laughs> theoretically, they're trying to have foresight. But the fact of the matter was that when the national, um, when uh, the HISA law passed, which is going to uh, encompass riding crop, whip rules, on a national scale, there's going to be a national rule. This rule should have not should not have been changed. They should have either adopted the California rule, the Kentucky rule, or just ridden it out and made a statement that the stewards are going to be looking at use of the whip in a very stringent manner. And this is this is what we're going to do. We're going to put a house rule in, and if you break or violate the the rule more than X amount of times, then you will be maybe asked even to leave. Instead of having this mandate, which is a pain in the ass to change. And it's going to be changed. It's going to be superseded by a federal rule at some point. At some point. But that point is not going to be this summer. Um, and it's hard to say even now whether... I don't uh, call me pessimistic about this, but uh, or, or call me suspicious about this. But sometimes when handle spikes come and doesn't really seem like they should, you wonder about the uh, where that handle came from. Talking to you, Preakness. Um, we don't even know where a lot of the handle comes from these days. In the old days, it was easy. Most of it came from right there on the track. Whatever was put through the windows was put through the windows with a little bit of off-track betting, off-track money. And, you know, the shift is, is, is greater and greater and greater. And now virtually none of the money is coming from on the track. And the, uh, the sources of handle is, <laughs> is questioned uh, by, by many of us not knowing... You know where it's coming from, why it's coming from, <laughs> who it's coming from, when it's coming. Um, so people that just said, "Well, well, the handle proves this." Well, maybe not. So, so it'll be interesting to see exactly how this all shakes out. It'll be interesting to watch the races. Um, I'm not a boycott person. I just I'm not. I feel like you should do what you want and do what makes you happy. Um, I don't boycott a certain company's coffee or food because uh, the CEO gave money to some politician or some cause. That's not my concern. My concern is um, making myself happy, <laughs> and it's not my it's not my place to to judge the world and to determine uh, this, that, or the other thing. I mean, certainly, if you said that, uh, well, if you buy uh, this, then this money is going to uh, you know abusive uh, uh, people, of course, that would be different. But um, if you want to play Mammoth, play Mammoth. If you don't want to play Mammoth, don't play Mammoth. And I would support either side. Um, this isn't Mammoth's fault. The way Mammoth has reacted, the way Mr. Drazen has reacted, the way the racing secretary has reacted, he doesn't put them, it does not paint them in a great light in that they seem to be 
um, threatening. And I don't believe that uh, we should be threatening anyone in this business at any point, especially uh, if you're, you're going to put a safety concern in there. We have, there's times when jockeys won't ride because of weather conditions, because of track conditions. And how can we not support them? Right? They're the ones that are out there. Not us. They are there. Not us. Uh, It gets a little old sometimes, especially when they cancel because of wind. Which, of course, doesn't seem to be as big a deal for for us as as it would to you know, be when you're on a horse going 35 miles an hour, but still, um, it's just not a good look and it doesn't work these days. I, I think racetracks in general, they just are, are, the racing people are just slow to understand. You guys are screwed. This isn't like it used to be. There's not a hundred trainers banging down the door for slots for 30. The people coming behind the trainers or the jockeys that you don't like or you don't want or you're going to persecute or you're going to throw, they're not going to be the guys you really want. They're just not. And that's something that uh, it's not, it rarely gets it gets, gets out in the public like this. There's rarely proclamations uh, made that uh, if people do this, then they won't be allowed back. But it's not a good look, and it, and it's not the right it's not the right era. It's not the right time. People forget, or people didn't know for the most part, that 30, 40 years ago, the racing secretary was the king on the backside, and guys like Howard Battle, who was a great, great, great guy. But you did what they wanted to do. <laughs> you, Kenny, no. Um, these were people you didn't cross. And one of the reasons was there was a huge, huge, huge supply of horses, of trainers, of, 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 uh, there was a limited supply of stalls. There was a huge supply of, 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 of horses. So you had the kind of total line a lot more. You had the kind of, uh, you know, not be shipping all the time and, and, uh, not be scratching all the time, and if you were assigned stalls, you would be you'd be asked to run, um, and you would be expected to run, and that doesn't mean that that trainers should be able to just do what they want, but let's face it, uh, we, we have a horse shortage, and it's getting worse, and it isn't going to get better, and any anytime soon, uh, we don't know exactly where we are with the full crop for next year because uh, the pandemic hit in March um, when a lot of horses, a lot of mares are are foaling and, and getting bred. And uh, we don't know exactly how many people decided to hold off on breeding and, and um, or chose not to or, or didn't breed back. We, we don't really know. Um, at least I don't know. I don't have the number. At some point, we'll have a full crop number of how many horses were born. Um, so that's going to be a big, a big factor going forward. Even if it's just a one-year blip, we're already down. We're already 
we're, we're struggling. And we don't know how many people out there last year um, that owned horses, especially in the lower end, didn't uh, continue to uh, pay their training bill or they got rid of their horses or they gave their horse to the trainer or they gave the horse up. Uh, because a lot of people in the hospitality industry and the entertainment industry, people that own gas stations, things like that, um, you know, they, they were affected materially by the COVID crisis. So we're already looking at a, a, a dip in, in the numbers. And that's just, uh, it's just the way it is. It's just a fact of life. And, um, I don't see many racing programs changing very much. I, I know that a lot of tracks have uh, have cut the number of, of races per day down, but um, but it's going to be a problem. Um, and maybe th- we have the guy that might be able to solve that problem. Uh, with us now is an uh, international trainer and famous famous person. Uh, Mr. Chad Summers. Chad. Well, there's some big shoes to step into there, Chuck. Well, I didn't even talk about your ability to uh, to cut hair, which still kind of just makes you like the most well-rounded person I know. Oh, what is the old, the old saying of uh, jack of all trades, master of none, right? Yeah, well, at least uh, you can't talk me into, uh, you know, getting a trim from you. <laughs> there you go. That ship sailed. But, um, you know, just kind of delving into the mammoth issue a little bit. And, uh, you know, to, to me, it got a little bit ludicrous. And, and let's face it, you know, this is the racing commission's doing. This was done um, kind of without uh, input from the people who are going to be affected by it. Um, but, you know, Mr. Drazen yesterday kind of uh, came out firing. And then today... Um, Mr. Himes uh, was was talking about, you know, those who don't honor their calls Friday will be banned from the meet, and it's just gotten a little bit uh, a little bit nuts. And and I understand that Mammoth is kind of in the middle here, but um, you know, like, what's the word up there uh, up in the Northeast about you know how this is going to play out? Confusion. Confusion. I mean, that's that's the, the biggest word. And again, it falls on lack of leadership amongst everybody. And, and the jockeys are now kind of getting together with a jockey guild and and trying to you know form their front. And obviously, Mammoth is trying to to take its stance really on on the behest of the the commission, as you said. But I mean, the problem is confusion. I mean, I think everybody is is at a status of the people that are making these rules are not aware of the purpose of, of the crop. And, and that's the thing that makes it difficult. You, you know, it's one of those things where what has to happen to go the other way? Does somebody have to die? Does, it, like, does a jockey severely have to get hurt or a horse severely has to get hurt? Does, does, is that the extreme that needs to happen for this? Look, I, I, I'm not saying that horses need to get beat off or, or anything like that. Uh, I mean, the furthest thing from that. But at the end of the day, horses are animals, and and this is something that is there as a correctional tool. It's not only in horse racing, by the way, right? What about in the show world, 
right? You, when I remember when I was taking horseback riding lessons and I was 11 years old, the first thing they give you is, 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 a, is a riding crop. And look, you know, if the horse is, is, is acting up, if the horse is spooking from something, um, there's all sorts of different purposes to, to use it. And, and, and so to fall back on that, well, you know, you never have to use this unless there's an absolute emergency. And we're going to tell you, um, the guy or girl who's riding the horse, when that emergency is or isn't. It, it's a very, very slippery slope. And, and, and I don't blame these jockeys one bit for how they feel. Um, I think the trainers on the, on the Northeast here have handled things very well from things that I've read. Um, Kelly Breen, Chad Brown. Uh, both gave some some very thoughtful answers in, in some blood horse and, and DRF articles, uh, and and it's true. I mean, we understand what's going on, and we're standing united with uh, with the jockeys. But at the same time, you know, we need to get this resolved, and that's the biggest thing. Yeah, that that's that is no doubt. I mean, um, just a little while ago, a, a story broke that uh, Mr. Drazen has said that if. Uh, quote Monmouth Park loses millions of dollars because they can't put on a card. They're gonna we're gonna consider a civil suit and try to recoup those millions of dollars from the jockeys guild and from individual jockeys. It's like, are you trying to commit suicide here? I mean, it it, it just it seems like a lot of pandering going on right now, right? And 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 the thing is, again, as as happens a lot in the industry, especially here in the United States, it's last minute. What? Why is this? Why is this? Now, today, the day of entries for opening day, now this is all this stuff comes out like they were playing a game of chicken until today. Okay? The rule got passed quietly as soon as the meet ended last year. Okay? It's been seven or eight months since this rule got passed. Yes, exactly. And, and, and More just than a month ago or whatever is, is where this starts, and they started this and that and whatever. And, I mean... It's just gotten to the point where why, why, as an industry, do we not have a mediator or where's the NCRA to step up and try and, you know, on behalf of, of all parties involved, you know, we're trying to pass a rule. I know the Jockey Guild has been in these meetings all year since California changed the rule last year to the six overhand strikes and, you know, uh, you know X amount of underhand. And, you know, they're trying to come up with a national rule. And, 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 and New Jersey just went to the absolute extreme. And there was, and there was no reason for the absolute extreme. No. Nothing happened during that mammoth meet last year where they're like, man, this is something that we need to address immediately or we're going to have a lot of trouble. And, 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 and for them to come out now and say, well, if we lose millions of dollars, well, maybe you're losing millions of dollars because the, the fans and the gamblers aren't going to bet on a product where – they're afraid that a, a horse is going to bolt and the horse has no chance. It's, uh, I had Chris DiCarlo on last year, last year, last summer, last like August or <laughs> September. It was, one, it was actually one of my most downloaded shows, believe it or not. And we talked about the whip and the rule. And one of my questions was, how does one determine what is use of a of a riding crop or a whip for safety versus quote unquote encouragement? And if you're not allowed to strike the horse at all, even you know on an underhand fashion, um, 
how how do they propose the stewards can 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 see this on all the horses racing, especially in in, in turf races where, um, uh, you know they're they're riding in close quarters, and uh, I, I just I, I just have a hard time understanding like the logic that that was used. And, and I mean, let's face it, there was no logic. It's an animal rights thing. There's no doubt in my mind that that that's how this was uh, done. The fact that the New Jersey Racing Commission has four members instead of nine, I think the governor has dropped the ball, and he should be embarrassed. I mean, among other things, he's an embarrassment. But uh, you, you know, to me, it's a lack of respect for horse racing as an industry that the Racing Commission has four people on it. Um, every person that's not on that commission might be someone who would be saying, "Hey, what are we doing? Why are we doing this?" Uh, you know. You narrow it down to four people; it's a whole lot easier to convince four people than it is to convince nine people. Well, and, and and to your point from before, Chuck. I mean, look, if, if this is something that they took with a hundred percent sincerity and were were completely concerned about, you you open up the forum and you have this conversation with both sides. But what happened was they heard the side of of PETA, and there was never a response or anything. They before they passed this rule. They did not talk to any jockey, uh, the jockey guild, or any horse horse person or anything like that. So, so if this is an issue that you take with sincerity, both sides have to be heard, for better or for worse. Look, the one thing that, that, that we have in this country is when a bill goes to the, to the House of Representatives and the Senate and things like that, you, you hear both sides of the bill, and then you, and then you vote. You obviously... It's become you only vote Republican or Democrat, depending on the bill. But that's neither here nor there. At least both sides are, pre- are, are presented. Here, the commission was making up their minds without ever, ever speaking to anybody who's on their back. And, and that's the thing that, that baffles me. And, 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 and again, while this has continued on and while the jockeys came out after they lost, you know, when it went to court, they lost in court. This is going back, I guess, April. And the jockeys have immediately kind of taken that stance. I think Gallardo was the first one. He says, I'm not going. And John Velasquez, you know, as the president of the Jockey Guild, kind of stood behind him. And, and, and it's come on and on about these jockeys that aren't going to ride as a me. At no point was it ever, listen, uh, this is going to be a, uh, this is going to be a big issue. Let's, let's, let's get this corrected. Let's sit down together and, and let's work on a resolution to fix this problem. But as always, as, as you've seen being part of this industry, for the last 30-plus years, okay, it's the same thing. It, it, it's just, at this point, it's insert state here. It's not, it, New Jersey Racing Commission is not on an island in this, okay? It, they just happen to be front and center at this current time about this current event, right? And, and we just constantly find ways to cause problems with everything in our own industry. Anytime we have any momentum as an industry going, we find a way to shoot ourselves in the foot. And, and it's been going on for decades. It's been going on for years. And this is just the latest example of it, unfortunately. And, and, and there's just, it, it really falls on the fact that our industry has a lack of leadership. This would never happen in the NFL, in the NBA, in Major League Baseball. This would never happen. Okay? When things come, come to that, the commissioner gets together with the parties involved, and they get to a resolution. It never gets to this. No, that's uh, that's very, very 
Salient point, and uh, I just think that I think one of the things you said earlier was 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 very true. Is that this is not like sprung on everyone here at the last second? I mean, riders were saying months ago that they weren't going to be riding at Monmouth, and uh, Monmouth Park needs to deal with that. That that that's that's this is the hand that they've been dealt. And I, I just think, and, and I was talking about this a little bit before you came on, is that racing establishments got to get, like, with the program. Like, wake up. This is not an era where there's 35,000 horses, where there's, uh, uh, you know, people and, and, and trainers and owners and, and jockeys coming out of the woodwork. The industry is, is, is shrinking and... You know, you want to run the same amount of dates. You want to do the same thing. You want to have to deal with these kind of rules. You want to deal with the um, the pre-race uh, and the pre-work rules that some of the other tracks have put in that have made just training and, and entering and racing more difficult. However worthwhile they are, they're still, they make it more difficult. It's not as easy to, to do. So the threats, it's just not... Uh, it's just not a a, a, a plan that's going to be successful, and it's made them look poor. It really has let it, it, it's it put them in a bad light, um, especially especially when there is the safety concern. And and I said earlier as well, I can't comment on the safety of using a, a whip or a riding crop or or anything um, from a jockey's point of view. I can just tell you what the jockeys have told me because I, I mean, obviously, you know, we don't ride. But yeah, but the one thing, Chuck, the one thing that you can comment, okay? You've been on the backstretch for a long, long time, okay? And, and you've seen whether it's a two year old that comes in or an older horse or whatever, even on the ground, if you're walking one or you're in the stall with one or whatever, right? A horse can get spooked. It happens, it's nobody's fault. Right, and 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 you have to correct. You have to correct that horse. You're not trying to be mean or vicious. And and look, there are a few rotten apples for everybody, and we've seen cases of it. You know, whether it be you know a jock at a gate, or you know you see something in a stall, or you know videos come out. And and, and yeah, there are bad people. There are bad people in every industry. I I can't sit there and say that everybody in the industry is a saint. I get that. But but the majority of people, ninety eight point nine percent, ninety nine percent of people are good people back here, and they love their horses, and they care about their horses, and and the, the the amount of hours that we spend back here and everything we do, it's not about a paycheck for sure, right? I mean, you make very very little to no money as a, as a trainer, especially, and, and we're doing everything we can to love on these horses, but. If they're scared of something, if they spook from something, take it. Look, I, I, there are times when a horse will see a puddle and will freak out. If you're walking to the track or whatever the case may be. No, I, my point wasn't that it's not a safety issue. I mean, I'm certain. I just can't say. Well, this is. I can't speak from experience. But what I, what I can say is that uh, in other areas of safety, uh, whether it be weather conditions, whether it be track surface conditions, uh, uh, you know. When the jockeys come out and say, "Listen, we're not going to ride because of this," I mean, it's it's a 
pain in the ass for the the connections that have horses ready sure. to roll. But nobody says, "Oh, well, we're going to throw you out if you don't ride." <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. because could you imagine these this day and age if the jockey said we don't feel the track is safe and the management said, "Well, if you don't ride, we're going to throw you out." And 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 a couple of guys went out there rid rode and and one of them fell down. You know, the horse got hurt, and I mean, it it would literally end racing. But that's the point. Is like, um. The jockeys have been very vocal about this. It's been it's been you know months of doing this, um, and for Mammoth Park to act like they're the victims suddenly, like you should have been lining up. I, I, listen, I see all over the country. I was at Arlington this weekend. They ran sixteen races there. Sixteen. There's some jockeys that rode 10, 15, you know, mounts. A lot of them had two, three, four a week. How How's the jockey going to make it living on, on three, four mounts a week? You mean to tell me you make a couple phone calls, you can't get a couple of those guys over there? You know what the problem is? You know why they didn't want to do it? Because they figured, well, if we make commitments and, and bring these guys in, and then the other guys want to come back, then what are we going to do with them? That's part of the that that that's part of the problem. If if you want to have a meet, I, I know in Western Canada they've had issues uh, getting enough jockeys for some of the races. You know the racing out there because it's so far away, and uh, you know it's it's in the middle of, of nowhere. And I mean the money's not that great. Uh, and I've, I mean they they used to actually put ads in the racing forum for jockeys. And, you know <laughs> like incentivizing going out there. I think. Uh, I think Leroy Nelson won a couple races. Uh, Pete Aiello put that up. Leroy Nelson um, won a couple at uh, Asanobia Downs uh, last night. So I, I mean, it, it's there's there's the jockeys are out there, and there's a lot of jockeys that aren't doing well at all. And and as these racing schedules get pared down, um, you know, there's there's more opportunities. Uh, or, excuse they, me, less here... opportunities for jockeys. They'll get the jockey. It's just not going to be the jockeys that everybody wants and everyone's used to. But the fact of the matter is, uh, like, like threatening people, oh, well, you're not going to be able to ride the rest of the meet. I mean, come on. You know, they're going to put now they're going to have a, a class action suit against the guild. Like, like, I, I mean, I know he's a lawyer, but like, did he hit his head? You're going to sue the jockeys if you lose money? You know, the, the the ironic thing in all of this is he's also the one guy when um, we met with the, uh, when they went to Washington, D.C., you remember, was that, seems like so long ago, right? It was, I don't know, 18 months ago or whatever it was, 20 months ago. Uh, and Dennis Drazen was the one guy that spoke up about not having the uh, the Integrity Act. He, he spoke up against it, and that would ruin racing and everything else. And here's this guy that's, you know, trying to ruin, I don't know that he's trying to ruin out. I think he's, I think he's, he's in just a difficult mad, position. He, I think he, he's, he's in a mad. difficult position. He's pissed and off. He's, and he's embarrassed. And he's embarrassed. Yeah. He's embarrassed. But, like, you can't, it's just, un, to me, it's unacceptable as, as a person, as a member of our industry to, to threaten the, the jockeys with a, a civil action because they might lose money. I mean, if that was the case, then then Churchill Downs should I should own about uh, ten million shares of Churchill Downs stock. Every trainer in America should for for what they've done, <laughs> right? 
How, many, how much money have they cost horsemen in, in, in Southern California by shutting Hollywood Park down or South Florida with, with shutting Calder down and all the, the, the believe me, the, the side effects of that are going to come out in the next, uh, uh, you know, six to 12 months. I mean, well, what about the fact, what about the fact that Mammoth wasn't paying on its purses last year? Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, uh, you know, but that, it, it, again, that was, you know what? That was the state. The geniuses at the state. Who'd they hire? The worst lab in America. And, and you know what they're going to say? Oh, well, you know, we have these state, you know, uh, vendor laws that we've got to take the lowest bid and blah, 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 blah. But it's it's still, I mean, it, like someone has to take responsibility at some point. And that's, what, that's the thing about horse racing is no one ever wants to take responsibility. Be, 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 it, be it a big trainer getting a positive test, be it uh, a racetrack, be it uh, the racing commission, be it the horseman's group, be it anyone. No one wants to take responsibility. No one ever says, you know what, we could have done this better. You know what, we screwed this up. You know what, uh, it, it's never that. It's always, oh, the groom did it or, you know, it's out of our hands or this archaic rule or this or that and the other thing. And, I mean, the transparency, our lack thereof, really hits home and and the fact of the matter is that in the social media world that we live in everybody's going to have an opinion even if it's based upon you know faulty information but you just can't like like you said why are we waiting till the last minute before this thing happens oh a couple jockeys on the backside we're going to take um we're going to take uh mounts and they weren't going to ride on this you know six race card friday I mean, this is the reason that we're going to have uh, this gigantic ruckus. I mean, I think that the, the the bigger the bigger problem that I have though with with this rule in particular, right? And you talk about responsibility and everything else, but with this rule in particular, if something were to happen, okay, say over the weekend something happens to a rider or a horse um, because you know they were scared to use the crop or whatever the case may be, because it's not only just that you can't use it, you know, you can only have it for such and such, but the the rules are if you're, they find whoever they are, because the stewards don't even know how to enforce the rule. But if they find you, um, you know, violating this rule, it's a five day suspension, a $500 fine. You lose the purse. And, and, and you talk about how do you make a living? Well, if they're running three days a week and you're suspended for five, you're out, and that's a two-week suspension for any other sport. And then you do it a second time, everything doubles. So then it goes to a 10-day suspension. And, and, and so my thing is, when you look at a rule, any rule that, that, that's set, okay, in any industry, in any walk of life, if any rule is set and you go, if somebody died from it, you go, well, you know, I guess that probably wasn't the best, the best rule then. There's no doubt in my mind that if something happens, if a, if a rider gets hurt or a horse gets hurt, and we said, well, this is something that could have been corrected if we, you know, if they were able to, to, to feel like they can use they can use the crop to correct the horse, and they weren't going to get in trouble and everything else. Then, then that's a problem, because that's the last thing that this industry needs is, it, it, God forbid, something happens to a, a rider or a horse. And that's what all of these new things have. All of these racetracks now have equine safety uh, stewards and managers. We see that there's there's Three of them in Belmont or, you know, in New York. We, we see it in Colonial Downs. I, I know they're in California. They're in Kentucky. 
They're, they're popping up all over the place. Equine safety. And this is something that we're almost turning our back on equine safety by allowing this rule to pass. And that's what my problem is, more so than anything else. Yeah, you know what I'd like to ask the, 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 the racetrack managers of, of, and the people who run racetracks? What about the times when the horses get scratched in the, one of the last two races when a guy gets hurt or a guy goes home sick and, and they're not willing to pay the, uh, you know, the, they always had the house rider and, and they're not willing to sure. pay them anymore and we've had to have scratches because there was no jockeys, uh, you know, ready or willing to ride the horse. I mean, it, it goes both ways, man. And the fact of the matter is that um, you know who wins in all this? Nobody. No, you know, there, there's a party out there that wins. PETA, the animal rights groups. This is what they do. They come in and they cause divisiveness and they, they cause uh, friction from within. And, and we never have a united front. I mean, I, I was, to me, the, the most uh, telling horse racing industry thing about the entire Bob Baffert press conference Sunday, Sunday morning, Monday, Fox News, blah, 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 was that racing wasn't prepared to have a point person to answer questions, to go on uh, a media blitz, to tell people what the procedures are, what's actually going on. We don't do that. Why? Because... I, I don't know why. I, I don't know if it's just sheer incompetence, if it's just no one cares, if no one thinks they're responsible, if nobody uh, wants to pay, pay the money. I mean, that, that's usually the best, the, you know, the one in racing. Well, you know, that's a great idea, but who's going to pay for it? I mean, how, how many times have I heard that? Well, who pays for it? Who pays for it? Who pays for it? Who pays for it? Well, in the end, we all pay for it. And that, that's the same with this. Draw your damn races. Name the jockeys. And you know what? Tell them they got to check on by noon. Have backup guys ready to go. I mean, they're jockeys. They're not teamsters. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> like guys who aren't riding much anyways. What are they going to like? Not you know? Oh, when he's in a race, I'm going to cut him off on a hundred to one shot. I mean, it, it's just, it's just silly. It's it's it, it it's against the commission. It's not against the track. And if you had to cancel the card, or if you have to have some scratches, so be it. So be it. What's the end? It, what if there, what if there was a, a terrible rainstorm and you lost power on Friday? Would that mean that you'd, you'd cancel the meet because uh, you know because you, you didn't get to run those races? I mean, the thing about like you said, and you you made a good point earlier. If something happens, if something happens. Because of not having a stick. And, of course, the odds are it won't. Most race cards make it through without those kind of issues. It, it's not, it, it's a more of a rarity. But what if it does happen? Because we don't have riders that are, that are used to riding in that manner. And that's something that I was talking about on the show last night with Barry and, and, and a, a little bit today. When you've done something a thousands and thousands and thousands of times, when your muscle memory is such that, um, you know, you you come in uh, to the stretch and you switch leads or your horse does this or you you know like you know there's a certain way that you react as a jockey and it, it's it's instinct it's not thought process you know um, Pat Day once said he goes if you have to think about it it's too late mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> it's too late so the the actual 
uh, muscle memory of these jockeys, the um, the instincts, you know, wh- where these guys have been riding for the last couple of months, for this week, is going to be different. And to expect, you know, with this nebulous safety allowed, you know, rule, uh, I mean, people are betting on these races. People well, somebody made a good races. somebody made a good point too. I, I think it was in a, a Blood Horse article, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. And, and, and they came out and they said, "Look, they said these races, and you mentioned it too, Chuck, with the grass especially. But these races, are, the holes are so tight; they're so small. I mean, there there was one. I think they have that jockey cam company that comes out, and they've done some big events. Um, and they had one where so the jocks are wearing the helmet, and you can kind of get a view from the jockey standpoint." And I think it was Joel Rosario's ride in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies on Quest. And he goes through the hole that's the smallest hole that you'll ever see. And, and I don't even – he's not a guy that really uses the crop that much. But she needs to go through this hole, and he has, you know, half a second or a millisecond to get through that hole. So if, if he waits any longer or, or she's not encouraged enough to go through the hole, the hole's going to close up and he's going to get dropped. And that's the thing. Everybody thinks you're only using the you're only using the crop to 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 go faster, go faster, go faster. Sometimes it's it's just one one little thing. You got to switch a lead. You got to pop over. Whatever you got to do for the safety of you and the horse. And that's what this is. And that's what the people who made the rule just don't get. Uh, or I mean, they can't get because if if they if they truly understood it, I don't see. And that's the one thing that I never understood. When this ruling came out last year, there was never really an explanation given. You know, we always cry as as racing fans and industry insiders, you know, oh, we want the stewards to come out and say, why did you make this decision? Why did you make this ruling? Why did you take this horse down or you didn't take that horse down? Well, it's the same thing with the commission, right? When the commission makes a ruling, we need an explanation. Why do you feel like we we understand the public pressure from PETA and social media and everything else? But why do you feel like they're not needed at all? Why do you feel like this is something that is archaic and and unnecessary? And and that's that's the one thing that 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 I failed to see in all of this is that they have never come out and said exactly why they feel like it is not needed, other than public. The only thing that Mammoth has ever said publicly. Is public per, uh, perception. That's all they said. It's public perception. True. That's true. And uh, it's just so screwed up. <laughs> I mean, in the end, it's just it's like so many other issues with this business. Like it's so complicated to try to fix the problems that creating problems often happens and and that's exactly what's happened here but you know you know what though chuck at the end of the day that's why if there isn't a friday card okay let's say the jockeys did all stay together even the ones that don't make any money even the ones that that you know need to ride races at, at mammoth park to survive and things like that let's say they all did get together friday and they said we're not taking entries today okay we stand together today in, in solitary of, of defiance of this rule. And you know what? Maybe they get together and they change the rule. I, I'm okay losing a day of racing to send a point. Listen, at, at least 
finally somebody in this industry will stand up for what they believe in. And, and, and finally that point will get across. If you lose a day at Monmouth, you lose a day at Monmouth. And, and, and the same goes for other states. You know, the, too often the voice of the industry falls on deaf ears. There's been a big problem for years now with the front side and the back side, the, the commissions and the, and, and, the, and the state, the state and everybody else. I mean, everybody's doing their own thing. They're all, they're all, they're all over the place. There's, no, there's division everywhere. So you know what? If boycotting is the only way to get your voice heard, because these jockeys have been screaming from the rooftops, or at least from their 140-character social media tweets, that they're not riding. Okay? They've been saying it for two months, and everyone just goes, the show must go on, the show must go on, the show must go on. Now it gets closer, and he goes, oh, you don't ride, I'm suspending you, and I'm going to tell other tracks to suspend you and everything else. You know what? They've been telling you for two months to fix this, and you elected not to. So they're using the only power they have, and they say, we're not going to ride. And you know what? You've seen it in basketball. You've seen it in football. There, there have been player strikes before. And, and, and it's uncomfortable, and it doesn't feel good, and it doesn't feel right. But you know what? At the end of the day, you get down to the negotiating table, and things get done, and things get changed. And that's the one thing that I, I, I applaud John Velasquez and the Jockey Guild in, in saying, look, let's boycott here, because it's the only way that we're ever going to have a chance to get it done. The flip side of it is, unfortunately, it could get to the point where Jersey Racing Commission goes, you don't want to ride? We'll cancel. That's fine. We'll cancel everything. There won't be a Mama's Park anymore. Because that's the problem, is that other than the big days, these racetracks have no problem canceling racing anyway. They've proven that over the last five or six years. Not a lack of entries, lack of this, lack of that. They're quick to hit the cancel button. But that's why you have no leverage. So you know what? At least the jockeys are standing up here and they're saying, look, we want to make a change. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. At least it got people talking about it. We, we spent the last half hour talking about it. It, it. It's taken the place of social media, you know, very strongly over the last week. People are, are, are standing up and being made aware of the situation. And, and if anything comes of it, at least let that come of it. At least that we know that, you know, your voice can be heard. It doesn't have to fall on deaf ears because so much we've seen over the last 10 years is falling on deaf ears. This, this, this industry has changed so much from when from you're a kid working for Chief all those years ago to where you are today. Listen, if, it, if the industry was the same it was when you walked into Chief's barn, you'd still be training right now. It's certainly not a lack of ability on your part. It's, it's all the other bureaucratic bullshit that comes with it that makes this game so, so tough. And that we just continue to do the same thing over and over again. And we see people walk away. And you know what? When people walk away... Nobody's coming back behind them. You don't see a lot of – it's not like five people leave and ten people are coming in here. It's very, very difficult. Nobody wants to be back here. I was on the phone with, with one of the top trainers in the country today talking about him going to Saratoga, and he goes, I want to go, but I don't even know that I can have – I have the staff that will work for me over there. Well, I don't want my grooms rubbing ten horses each. But nobody wants to go. Nobody wants to be a part of it. And 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 – when I was growing up in this industry, if somebody said the word Saratoga to me, I couldn't wait to get up there. I jumped at the opportunity. I lived in some terrible places when I worked for you so I can be up there for you. <laughs> Believe me. Like, and, and we would they, be in they the barns bad, and, and working, working all day, and, and what, it didn't matter. 
it was it was a great time. And it was tough to win races. It wasn't like you won a lot of races. It, but but to be up there and to be competitive and and, and to walk through those crowds at Saratoga, and, and and you're watching your horse run at Saratoga, there was nothing else like it. And now, it's it's just it's it's different now. It's different, and it's and it's it's disappointing. And and that's that's really the bottom line. That's about the, uh, that's about the gist of it too. It really is. Um, it really is. And. Uh, Maybe we just make a prediction that they will find enough jockeys. Mr. He-Man Harky will show up down there and ride the card. I do think I do think that at the end of the day, they may card on Friday. They may not. They may they may push entries back till tomorrow or whatever the case may be. I think that the rule will change. I think there will be a uniform rule of six overhand strikes and unlimited underhand strikes throughout the throughout the country. Uh, by the time this year is over. And I think it'll be one national rule for all racetracks. And you talk about muscle memory with jockeys, maybe that's a good thing. That It's the same rules in New York as it is in Kentucky, as it is in Idaho, as it is at Fonner Park in California and everywhere else. Well, listen, no one has ever been against having standardized rules. I mean, no one, no one is. No, no one's against that. No one. It's just a matter of having make you know having good rules, having making sure we have standardized rules that that make sense. And I mean, this rule doesn't make sense. And and you know, the law, the federal law, part of uh, what's under their um, purveyance is is uh, whips, is is riding crops. So there's going to be a national rule. It's just a matter of how long does it take, and uh, it'll take a long. I don't have any confidence that well, anything will happen this calendar year. I think maybe by the middle of the end of next year, um, because don't forget, uh, like you know, this is a governmental thing, so there's going to be a process, and there's going to be waiting periods, there's going to be comment periods, there's going to be all that stuff, uh, which is fine as long as they get the rule right. And the Kentucky rule seems to be the rule that makes the most sense, um, at least in in my view and the view of of others that. Have commented on it. Uh, it's a little, little less restrictive than the than the California rule, but it it's still uh, an improvement from where what we're at, and it's certainly better than the rule at Mammoth, which you know, which is a rule that doesn't really that that just has so little um, guidance, <laughs> uh, and and that's that is the problem. And and if Mammoth Park and their stewards don't come out before the first race is run and explain in the clearest fashion that they can what the rule is going to be, how it's going to be enforced, if they don't do that, then they're making a gigantic mistake. A gigantic mistake. Because everyone that watches Monmouth Park that hasn't been living under a rock is going to be watching to see how the riders ride and to see how the rules are enforced. Um, and, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see. It, it really is. It, it's, it's almost like an experiment. <laughs> you know, it's not. I mean, the rule is rule change is rule change. It's official. It's not like this is a temporary thing. But, I mean, it's temporary in the fact that it's temporary until we get a federal rule. But, um, you know, I mean, if that, if, 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 
if the feet get dragging on the federal rule and it doesn't happen until 2023, then are we looking at an entire you know meet at Monmouth and then an entire meet next year? And well, I mean, the, look, the, the one thing, the one thing to me too that, and we never talk about this because right away the rules change. The rules change in, in any other sport when there is an experimental rule, you put them in place as experimental. Right, so if if baseball wanted to change from an umpire to a computer system strike zone, or basketball wanted to do something about you know a three second violation, whatever it is, they do it at, at a at a minor league level, and they try it out, and then if they like it, they like it. They don't, they don't, or they can adjust it. We don't do that. We don't look. I'm all for it. If they want to do this, hey, they have those trial races at fairgrounds. They want to do it in a trial race or an exhibition race or 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 one race you know, a week and, and, you know, for a month and you see how it goes, fine. But to go to the extreme, which is what this is, is to the extreme is the thing that makes no sense. I agree. <laughs> I do agree. Um, so closer to home for you, uh, what about the Belmont? How's everything shaping up there? Is, uh, uh, I know Ron Bowers is on the grounds and, uh, so Ron Bauer's here, and Mike McCarthy came today, and I have a very curious question I have to ask. Michael McCarthy, so, bro. Michael McCarthy. So, so Mike, it's Michael McCarthy or it's Whitey. Those are the only two names he'll answer to. In 2021, we're going with Michael. Um, the thing is, with Michael McCarthy, he showed up today in a, a car that did not look like a rental with California plates. And I'm very curious, if you happen to interview him before the Belmont, to ask him if he drove his car... From, now, this is a busy guy. He was in grade, he was a grade two over the weekend with CC in California. He just won the Freakness in Maryland. Now he's here in New York with Ron Bauer. I want to know if he drove his car, his own personal car, from California to, to New York. That's, that's a trip and a half. Have you so con- I'm, I'm very curious to find that answer out. Have you considered he might be thinking about riding at Monmouth? <laughs> he's a little too tall, I think, <laughs> just a smidge. He only, weigh, he only weighs about a buck thirty. That, I mean, that is that is. Correct. He looks like he hasn't eaten in like six months, but uh... <laughs> it was all it was those years of being stressed out working for Todd, I guess. <laughs> but you know the the thing with the Belmont over here, um, you know we lost a, a little bit of firepower with uh, Mandaloon, the second place finisher uh, in the Derby. You know, electing to run at Mammoth in his next start uh, in the Pegasus Stakes, not that Pegasus, the other Pegasus Stakes. And uh, I, I can make one, one. Can I make one prediction about that? Yes. That uh, Mr. Mr. Giro will be riding at Mammoth that day. So he he came out and he said he doesn't care about no sticks, and apparently Listen, Ducky was not happy with that response. I think but, uh, I think if Brad Cox told Mr. Giro that he'd have to ride at uh, Baghdad Downs, he would be over there. <laughs> he would be. Well, look. When, look, when do seen, I need to be there? We've seen this move before because when Mike Smith got in trouble for a whip violation, ironically enough, for everything full circle on uh, Midnight Bisu in the Saudi Arabia race last year. He said, I'm never coming back to this place. This is terrible. Uh, move forward a year. You have Charlatan. And uh, he says to Bob Baffert, when's the plane leave? <laughs> <laughs> no. So, no, I, I would agree. I agree with that. But, you know, so Mandaloon's out. We're waiting to find out. Um, uh, Brooklyn Strong had a, had an okay workout with your uh, – your girl Maria Ramita the other day, um, maybe going to skip the Belmont as well. Maria um, should Maria I, should ride at Monmouth. 
midnight, midnight bourbon uh, dropped out the other day for, for Steve Asmussen. So it's going to be a relatively smallish-like field. Um, Todd Pletcher's horses are training especially well for this race uh, in Bourbonic and Known Agenda. I think they'll they'll take a lot of a lot of interest. I think Brad Cox, the horse is supposed to get here on Sunday, Essential Quality. Uh, also from California, Hot Rod Charlie and Rock Your World will be in. And, you know, Hot Rod Charlie, I thought, did nothing wrong in the feed in the Derby. I thought he, he was training really, really well into the race. Um, he's on this, this pattern here of basically running every five, six weeks. He's been a fresh horse uh, intentionally from, from the O'Neill camp. And I think they're going to go into this race with a lot of confidence. And, and Rock Your World wants a little bit of, of, of revenge because, he didn't have a chance to run in the race. I mean, Joel Rosario lost his iron coming out of the gate, and in the Derby, nothing can go wrong. And when it goes wrong the first 50 yards, it's not going to get any prettier from there. So I think Rock Your World might be a little bit of a forgotten one. He took a lot of money early on in the Derby betting, and he was undefeated going into the Derby. This will be a smaller field. So Rock Your World's one that obviously we're interested to see you know, how he runs here. That was the first time he ever got dirt in his face. He won his first two starts on the turf and then was an easy wire-to-wire winner in the Santanita Derby over Medina Spirit, who was like seven or eight months behind, albeit that was before he got the rash. He got the rash immediately following the Santanita Derby. But um, pre-rash, Rock Your World was much better than him. Pre-rash. It's not pre-race. It's a (laughs) (laughs) pre-rash. The new, the new, uh, the new forty is the new thirty. <laughs> the, the 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 new verbiage that we use now with horse racing. I, I do want to report. Um, now we rarely would make a, a report like this, but since you're here, it's a special occasion. Um, today, at Pocono Downs, okay, in the tenth race, a horse named Horse won the race. What race number was it? Race number 10, Pocono, paid $12.40. Tyler Buter was the driver. His name is Horse, and that's got to be the single most original, <laughs> not original, but original name for a horse. The horse's name is Horse. Is his half-brother, of course? I don't know. Maybe his half-brother's a colt or his half-sister's Philly. <laughs> is, he, is, is he a gelding or he's a horse? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> and is he by, and is he by, uh, something to do with Hanover? Uh, no, because he would be horse Hanover if he was. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But horse did win today. I knew it. I, you know, horse was due. He was, he was, he was sitting on a big, he was sitting on a big race. You could almost do like one of those, um, Abin Costello. Yeah. Who do you like? Horse. <laughs> yeah. Which one? The horse. <laughs> which horse? The horse. <laughs> Uh, you know what? I was so I, I was so miserable last night. I did the podcast, Barry, and I was two hours, and and I, I was in a bad mood, and and then I just got in the worst mood because I started thinking about all the stupid things we do in horse racing, and it just makes me crazy. Um, you know, like dumbing down everything. Like I just don't get why we have to dumb everything down. Like people want more uh, detail and in information than they ever did. Uh, you can watch a football game. You go to a sports bar. I know this is something that hasn't been done in quite a while, but go to a sports bar. And when there's like a catch, right, by the sideline and the guy might bobble it. There's 47 guys there that, that know the rule. Oh, well, this is, you know, the process of making a catch and he has to have this. and blah, blah. Like because it's been explained to us. And, the, the you know, 
they've they've put these um you know referees uh, on the mic to explain the rule changes and 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 how the interpretations and we can't even get stewards to to, dis- to explain why they disqualified a horse which essentially um not not horse but a horse you know which is essentially taking money from people's pockets and 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 that's yeah. like like Oh, we're we're oh uh, somewhere the other day they put uh, the steward on and he explained the decision, which is good. You know, listen, I'm not going to mock it. Uh, it's it's a, it's something that you know is a positive development. But I mean, why is this taking so long? Well, I, I, you know, look, the, my other thing though, when you talk about that, is even when the stewards do sometimes explain why the horse came down, if there's an inquiry and the horse doesn't come down. I feel like we need the same explanation. In the NFL, if, the, if it's complete or incomplete, either way, they're getting on the mic. It's been reviewed. They're getting on the mic. Here, sometimes you'll see, you know, it might be the track announcer uh, highlight something with, a, with, you know, and say, oh, okay, you know, this horse did this at this point. But you'll see something, you're like, how did that horse not come down? And you never get the ruling as to why that horse didn't come down. And I feel like that's almost just as important as when they do come down to truly get a full explanation as to what's what. I think, and Barry and I talked about this extensively, um, that the way races are covered in-house, because, listen, in-house coverage of a race, <coughs> excuse me, um, is, is much different than even TVG coverage where they're doing, you know, three, four, five races an hour, or the national television uh, coverage, which is just a different animal. Um, but the in-house, I think that's where it needs to start. It, it just has to get better. We mm-hmm. just have got this, the same old formula. You know, you got a couple people and, and this is not a knock on the, the people. Um, they're doing what they're instructed to do. Uh, but we live in an age of information and I don't want, I mean, me personally, I, I don't need the opinion of two people looking at the same exact thing I'm looking at. I want those people to tell me something I don't know. I, w- I want information somehow, some way. Now, how they acquire that information, that's that's the, you know, uh, uh, that's up to the person acquiring the information, whether it be through, uh, you know, sources, the information from, from trainers, from uh, assistant trainers, from owners, from jockey agents, from jockeys themselves, from, from uh, racing secretaries, uh, a- anywhere, anybody. But I found that most guys will talk about their horses. And I think that that's something that, that really needs to be done. And I think that the postscript, like you just said about oh, when you don't take a, a horse down, when, it, when you find that the stewards find that the reason uh, the inquiry was not upheld because, A, we didn't find that this horse had violated this rule blah 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 but you know what like you said you're getting an explanation and i i find often that um in a play in a football game for instance all right you have a play and sometimes there's a replay and sometimes the analyst will say oh well did you see the fake to the running back and see what mm-hmm. it did here it, it held the linebacker which made mm-hmm. the tight end was able to slip out and so they're telling you something that you probably can't you know aren't going to see yourself because you're not a trained uh, football person or coach and it's the same with racing in that we have 30 minutes between races right and a lot of it is spent on prattle 
and a lot of it is spent uh, after the race, uh, sometimes uh, you know more on weekends than weekdays. Like we're interviewing the winning connections, who rarely have anything, you know. Uh, well, I, I to think say. Look, having 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 done done those shows before, both um, nationally, locally, in house, uh, you know, working for Sirius XM, working uh, Dubai Racing, and and things of that nature. You know, I think there's there's a lot of things that 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 can be done, and I agree. Look, trainers and don't mind talking about their horses. Uh, owners love talking about their horses. Jockeys like talking about their horses. You, you know, you just have to be willing to do the part. Like I, I thought when when I did the shows, I, I had an advantage because I'm out here at 5 a.m. every morning, and so you know who's running, and you talk to the connections. And so when you're sitting there and you're 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 in the booth. You say, well, look, this horse got, got post one. You know, this might be a – you know, the trainer thinks, listen, he, he might be a step out, slow out of the gate or changing his strategy here because, you know, the two and the three have some speed, and so he needs to kind of send them a little bit earlier out of the gate, whereas if he was drawn differently, it might be a different style. Like, that, that's what I want to hear as, a, as a, somebody that's interested in the race, you know, race strategy or things like that. And when you're talking to the trainer of the horse right away – they, they, you know, after the race is over, where do we go next? The race just freaking ended. Exactly. Let's get him back to the barn. Why don't you say, listen, what was different in this race as compared to last race? His preparation, was there something that you saw differently? Uh, I saw that he worked uh, slower or faster than he normally worked going into the race. Was that a telltale sign that he was sitting on a big race? You know, something like that. Or, or with the jockey, you know, walk us through at this point in time. When, when did you feel like you won the race? Because sometimes the jock wins the race at the gate. Sometimes they win the race around the turn. There's all different types. But instead, it's the same thing over and over again. Talk about your trip. Where does he go? Special horse. Whatever. Right, right, right. There's, right. there's, there's, there's no creativity. No. Right? And the one thing you need, um, because so many of those shows now are just like on auto-tune. It just feels like it's just insert race here, insert horse here. You know, they just feel like talking robots. And there's no passion involved in it at all. No. And, and, and the thing that, that makes those other sports so exciting is, is, is the passion that comes from the announcers, right? They're into it. They love it. This is what they breed. This is what they do. And we have people like that back here, but they get stifled into just talk about your trip or I like the three horse here because it's pretty. Like, come on, give, give, me, give me something. Give me something. Absolutely. You know, I, I don't mind the post-race interviews if they're short and they're pointed. Sure. Ask a sure. question. Don't, oh, how does it feel to win the race? How, how, what do you mean, how does it feel? Right. How do you think it well, feels? I, look, I like, remember one just time. Just say a, something. We race. Listen, we won a steak race in Gulfstream, and they're interviewing me, and, and they go, talk about your trip here. Like for the horse. Well, he, he was at Palm Beach Downs. He got on a van. He came, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. know. Was this a big surprise? He's three to five. I don't think so. And I'm not trying to be like, you know, uh, a difficult interview, whatever. And I've been on both sides of it. So I get it. And I try and help the interviewer as best I can. But at the same time, you, you got to ask a better question. Than, Is this a surprise? You're three to five. No, it's not. It's a release. It's not a surprise. It's a release. And, and honestly, I honestly, to be honest, there's a lot more information to be gleaned from the, the losers than the winners. And sure. I think that's the thing is that, uh, a friend of mine told me a long time ago, um, he said, I don't want to know which trainer likes his horse. I want to know which trainer doesn't like his horse. He goes, that's information <laughs> I can use because they all like their horse and half of them can't handicap anyways. 
Right. Uh, you know, they like their horse because their horse is training good, but, you know, the horse is training good, but he's two seconds slower <laughs> than the horse in the gate next to him, so it doesn't really matter how good his training He's just, you know. But I, I just think that there's a lot of ways that – um and it, it's a lot of work. And I think one of the differences between our sport and other sports is it's long. It's it's really long. And I, I don't know that uh, having people on the air for six and seven hours at a time is really beneficial to, to anyone because just the fatigue factor. And like you said, it gets to be a little bit zombie-ish because it's so long. Um, you know, switching up, having, uh, you know, a, a little bit of a different view to me would be a, a better a better way of doing it and i want to hear from like uh the connections before the race i and i, I not just right before the race because how, how do you incorporate that in your handicapping when they're uh, you know they're a minute from loading and then and you find out well you know the reason that the two horses in this race is because the race he really wanted to go and didn't fill <laughs> you know that's information i need to know earlier um, well, and, 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 and that's something where, again, I think it falls on the production staff to do. And the production staffs come in, and they've done other sports before. They've done bowling or whatever. They don't understand that in horse racing. So they, they lay out a format that's very vanilla and very generic because to them, it, it, it's okay. But they don't know what you're looking for. Like, I, I remember one time we were running in the Malibu. And TVG actually walked over to the race with us from the from the barn, and they're interviewing me from the barn. As you see the horse, you know, on his toes and everything else, and we're talking about, you know, how he's trained into this race, what we're expecting, and 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 that was something different, and that was something that was that was really really cool, and we had a, we had a good time doing it, and and, and that stuff. Can, and listen, don't just talk to the trainers. Talk to a groom. Talk to an exercise rider. You know, they're they're around all day. This this sport. You know, it's 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 so funny. Because in, in every other sport, people are drawn to those colorful personalities, and, and, and every sport has them, right? There's no more colorful personalities than we have right here on the racetrack. Believe me, we lead the world in colorful personalities. You'll never run out of things to talk about with different people. That's, that's a given. No, that's, I, mean, I remember one true. time we were, we, 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 I was doing a serious uh, radio show, and uh, we interviewed uh, Oklahoma Den. And uh, listen, Okie Okie's a, a legend amongst us and our friends and everything else. But he immediately became a legend uh, on Sirius XM when he's talking about some of his theories on on horse racing. Mm. The legend that is Oklahoma Den. <laughs> but it's true. It's it's, it's true. I, and and it's 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 one of those things where again we spend so much time nitpicking on the negative instead of promoting on the positive. And, and that's what drives me crazy because there is so much positive here and there's so much purity. And instead, the, the negativity is what, what draws all the attention. And it's the few, the few rotten apples that ruin it for everybody else. Now, this is, this is a definite... Uh definitely true and you know it's it's uh like i said uh the last couple weeks i say the same thing if you have a podcast or a radio show and on horse racing there's there's plenty of (laughs) there's no lack of uh storylines to tell lately we've we've had a, a enough of our own controversies and and things to last uh 
to 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 go on for hours and hours about and honestly that's kind of what we've done in so so many ways um but yeah i i just think that uh we have to keep evolving and i think that like this sport has changed in the last 15 months from going to where even with most of the handle being off track to that period of time when all of the handle was off track that you're you're not going to get that full um, market share back you're not going to even get the 10 or 15 percent or i guess saratoga they say it's about 20 percent of the handles on track Though they're, I think they're counting Naira bets, bet, you know, made bets through Naira bets counted as on track bets. But e- even in that case, you're not talking about uh, a, a significant portion anymore. And I mean, with all of the racing being all done off track, or excuse me, the betting being done off track, there's there's just a lot of of, of new things to do, and um, you know, there's there's new technologies, and uh, to to me, like this dark horse thing that Woodbine has, and um, you know, like the artificial or supposed artificial intelligence that that first bet has. To me, those those are just kind of gimmicky things, and that's not to me real innovation. Um, it just isn't. And you know, I'm sure they disagree, and they put a lot of money into it. And I'm sure there is a a segment of the market that will be interested in that. But to me, racing is a sport that smart people are interested in because of the data and because of the challenge and the you know the the ability to bet a little bit to make a lot and it makes racing makes a lot more sense than sports guys that are betting sports they're just stabbing man they're just stabbing. Look, if, if you want if you want data if you want to see how things are done properly and, and you see the numbers that are bet I will I will send you and anybody can can message me or whatever on Twitter or whatever. But the the information that comes from Hong Kong, they will overload you with information that'll have your your just your brain just fried out. But you will have every piece of information you can ever imagine. And the racing there is very simple. They run at two tracks, you know, one day a week at each track on Wednesday and Sunday, and and it's. And it's very, very formful if you know how to read the forms. And, and they give you every possible advantage to try and win. And they have 23, 24-horse fields, so they're, uh, the odds are, are quite fair because there's so many betting interests. And, and, and I wish that we would bring that stuff to America. But we, we, we try and give less and less information. Well, all the information is tied up by, the, by Equibase. The Equibase wants to sell you a product, and that's a problem, and that's always been a problem that that I've had since they've taken over, is that um, Equibase is, is owned by a consortium of racetracks and the Jockey Club, and they own our information, and uh, it's very expensive to try to get that information. So people that want to be innovative on their own have a very uh, you know expensive um you know, it's it's an expensive endeavor, and, and a lot of them choose not to, especially when there's there's a lot of free information uh, involving other endeavors that you might invest money into. And, um, I mean, it's tough when the the party that owns the data is also going to be competing with you in in the same market, selling their products 
right? I mean, you know, this, this Major League Baseball, do they, um, they don't really sell any any products, right? They're they they're they're willing to give away the the data because well, it's always happened that way. I mean, baseball is baseball is a very statistic driven game, and and if you tried to, to hide the data behind a uh, a paywall, I mean, there'd be hell to pay. So. I mean, I, I I agree though. Hong Kong is is certainly um, you know a place that that shows that uh, you know giving people as much data as you can, uh, accurate data as well, um, it, it does it does help. So, and and you know for us, we've had a hard time getting the races timed properly. <laughs> and not on and not on top of each other either. Right. No, I would, I would very, I think uh, me and uh, virtually all racing fans would, would be very happy if we could just figure out a way to, to not run on the top of each other. And, and I, it's not that easy to do. It's not quite as easy as it looks in that, uh, especially on weekends when you're having a ton of racing and uh, some of it is on national TV and, and they have, um, definite, you know, time limits that they they run up against, but it could be done. And it's again, it's another thing where you know, like racing is a is a game full of excuses, and uh, you know, just doing things better would 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 help everyone. But it just seems sometimes so difficult just to get that done. Uh, it's uh, it's it's tough, and you know, it's like post drag. Everybody hates it, but the fact that it matters in the end, a little bit of post drag helps the numbers at the at the track that's dragging, and it's it's just a that's just a fact. It's just a fact, and uh, we don't like it. And if they would just make it where there's not uh, a ton of post drag, where if post time is three o two, then the race goes off at three o four. No one has a problem with that. I don't think it's when the race post time is three o two and the race goes off at three twelve. <laughs> That's that's you know that's a different story, but um, but you know the Belmont is, uh, I mean it's a semi interesting race. I think. Well, I'll tell you. I'll I think tell you the what, Woody though. Stevens is going to be. Uh, no, that's exactly exactly what I was going to say. And look, it's it's a little disappointing. We were hoping that we would see uh, Flightline in there. That horse that uh, was so so impressive first time out in California for for John Sadler. Um, he is not on the on the nominations list, but. The, the race has not really lost much of its luster. I mean, you talk about how fast they went in the Pat Day Mile, and the one-two finishers from that race will be back. I mean, they went seven-eighths and one-twenty flat at Churchill Downs. Now they got the mile in one-thirty-four, but they did go to seven-eighths and one-twenty flat. And the Woody Stevens is seven-eighths, and you you add in you know drain the clock for Safi Joseph, and um, it, you know it sounds like Cattle Cattle River is going to be in there for for Brad Cox cutting back. Uh, from from his wins earlier in the year at Oakland, going to mile on the 16th, and I mean it's got all the makings of an unbelievably fantastic race. Yeah, the three year olds are a spotty group this year, but the three year olds uh, at a mile or under, it, it's a, it seems like it's a very very strong group, um, really really deep group of horses uh, that uh, 
you know, between the Woody Stevens and, and looking ahead to the Allen Jerkins at Saratoga, that those are going to be two, uh, you know, epic races, really, really talented, uh, you know, sprinters. And, you know, not six furlong sprinters, but, uh, you know, sprinters, middle, more middle distance horses, right? I mean, you would call them more middle distance horses than just straight sprinters. I mean, but, but I mean, all roads go through Jackie's warrior, you know, and he was at one time the, uh, the prohibitive favorite for the Kentucky Derby, albeit as a, as a two-year-old, but he was, he was the favorite for the Derby and, you know, he, that's his niche. He's a, he's a one-turn horse and, uh, you know, he put on the show on the Pat Day Mile and he's going to try and put on a show here, but there's going to be a lot of competition aiming for him and, uh, watching Joel Rosario ride a front runner is always a lot of fun because normally he's coming from dead last. And uh, and he's he will be in front on Jackie's Warrior. Dream Shake is on. is Dream Shake heading there? Yeah, yeah. Dream Shake is planning on coming for Peter Yurt. And I guess there's a plane coming. I guess it's not Tech Sutton, but there's a plane coming uh, on Sunday from California, and it's going to include horses like Dream Shake. And I think Stubbins is coming for Doug O'Neill as well. He's going to run in the maybe the diaper, uh, the turf sprint over here. And, Rock your world's coming, so it's it seems like it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a, a full a full plane from California and that's and that's good. You know, I thought the the Pim Local card was okay on Freakness Day, but it wasn't great. Um and, and I think this lot, Belmont lot, card, lot. just based on nominations, seems like it can be really, really special. Maybe the Belmont stakes won't be the highlight, um but uh but seems like really, really good races and it'll be good to get Nick's Co back. I mean this was a horse that, that was was out of this world when he won the the Pegasus earlier in the year and you know ran not as well in Saudi Arabia but there's a lot of factors involved in that and uh, he was originally going to go to the Steve Sexton Mile in Lone Star when Charlton um, backed out of coming here he's now moving forward and, and coming here and I'll tell you what the other race of the day is the Ogden Phipps the Grade One over there you're going to have horses like She Dares the Devil who undefeated this year Kentucky Oaks winner from last year. Uh, Bonnie South is in there also for Brad Cox. Latruska, uh, since her, her first start since the Apple Blossom. Swiss Skydiver, who's working lights out. Uh, Valiant, who ran really, really well in the Breeders' Cup, will make her first start uh, of the year in there. Shug McGahee might have Point of Honor, uh, a new horse to his barn that ran well in the Breeders' Cup for George Weaver last year. Uh, and Crystal Ball, uh, who was very well uh, a nice winner at Churchill the following week after the Derby, makes his, her first start. Outside of the Bob Baffert barn, remember Bob Baffert, no stalls over here at Belmont. Crystal Ball for Windstar makes her first start for trainer Rudolph Brissett. Might we see more of that from the Windstar family? Uh, is it true that Hosier was transferred out of Bob Baffert's barn? There are rumors that Hosier has been transferred out of the barn. I know Todd Fletcher has already picked up some uh, Bob Baffert horses. He picked up the really nice uh, run happy colt that also might run in the Woody Stevens that scratched from the Chick Lang. Um, there is rumors about, about Hosier. And look, people on the Naira board, again, he, Bob Baffert is not suspended by the Naira Commission, like the NYSA, you know, the New York State Commission, like Linda right, Rice is. Right, right, right. You know, she still has 38 horses to run this week. But um, he, he's suspended from stalls and running horses from Naira itself. On the Naira board are actually three members that own pieces of horses with Starlight Racing, of which Hoser is owned by. So it, it was a very interesting ruling um, when that all came out. So it would not surprise me. I have heard that rumor. I do. I cannot confirm or deny that rumor at this point, but it would not surprise me if, 
if Hoser was indeed moved on. I mean, they might have like a 50 never went too, right? He could run in. It might not go with the four-horse field like they go for him in California, though. Yeah, because that's what I was thinking of Hosier. That's kind of a knock at, at Mr. S- Mr. Sniper. He loves that horse. I don't know why. <laughs> well, but if, if he if he if he was a bridge jumper, he got his money back when he ran second on the undercard on Preakness. I got my money. I got my money that day. I got my money. The real, the real, the real juice, Mister Ness got him. That was actually like the biggest price horse on the card until Ron Power. <laughs> It was kind of chalk. It was kind of it was kind of chalky uh, on Preakness Day. I mean, the, the actual favorite got beat a couple times, but the second choice was under two to one too, which which makes it a little bit. Uh, uh, if if Dreamshake had won the race to Pat Day Mile, I think I would have had enough money to buy him. I would have purchased him. Really? That. Yes, that really? was that was a crushing defeat. You're a big Dreamshake guy. And that race, I just thought, I just thought that on the cutback, I really liked him. I think we, you know, he's a you know, he, I think he's a pretty good two-turn horse, but I think he's a really good one-turn horse. But you know, um, the Derby, the Derby has always been kind of special to you. I know you won a race on Derby Day for many years in a row. I think it was a battle between you and Paul McGee for who uh, <laughs> who won more races. Derby on, undercard on, uh, on der- allowance Derby wins <laughs> or overcard. You guys always seem to have a horse running in like the last race of yeah. the day as well. Post but nine, my my, my favorite. Listen, my favorite Derby memory with you had to be. Uh, when you, you you finally broke through and Battle One won the uh, the Churchill Downs handicap at seven eighths and you were so excited and, and and you called up the owner and Jay Manujan and this is this is a big win and I mean almost set the track record he ended up setting the track record later on in the year and, and you go Jay uh, want to talk you're all excited and Jay's like yeah yeah made a ton of money that's great Chuck but I got to go to my son's little league game I'll talk to you later yeah yeah <laughs> he watched it from his son's little league game and he had bet at Los Alamitos. <laughs> and he went to cash the tickets after the game, and they said, you know, uh, listen, sir, we don't have that kind of cash on hand here. <laughs> Can we give you a check? He's like, I don't want a check. And uh, I believe he had to come in like Monday morning and, and go down to the bank with the treasurer to withdraw the cash. Uh, and meanwhile, all we got is about 24 ice cream Sundays. Went back to the house from Dairy Queen and went back to the house uh, and watched Giacomo shock the world in the Kentucky Derby. Well, it's better than us staying and have, having lost all the money <laughs> betting against Giacomo. <laughs> Ken Rudolph was, and and uh, John Sheriffs were the only ones that, that, that had Giacomo that year. <laughs> and you know, Giacomo, between Giacomo and Mind That Bird, those two horses have caused more horse, more owners to run ludicrous, impossible horses in the Kentucky Derby trying to get that miracle win like those horses seem to have. Every year there's six or seven horses that, that are probably thinking, you know, Brooklyn Strong was, was one of them. I'm not really sure why they're not pointing him to the Mike Lee, but, uh, you know, his, his you know running him in the, in the Derby was just like nuts. But, well, you know, and, 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 and that's why you, you look at hindsight about things that should be applauded is Rombauer, had every opportunity to make the derby. I don't want and, to talk. And, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it because I had him in the future book at one hundred nine to one. And yes, the way the track played and the way the race set up, he probably wouldn't have won. But you know, you never know. And how many chances do you have to you know to bet a horse you, at one hundred nine to one? Let me ask you a question on the future book, right? Yeah, you're making these wagers a lot of times so far in advance as two year olds or whatever. Let's 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 say let's no, say no. change the the rule here for a second, right? Yeah. Let's say you bet you bet a two year old in the future book 
if they win any of the Triple Crown races, you win. Why not that? Why not? Get, you know what I mean? No, that's that's a, that's, that's actually not a, a that's actually not a bad idea. But uh, the future book, like I bet in March, first week in March, because you okay. bet earlier than that, and, and you're just stabbing him. You don't have any idea at that. But you point. should have known he had the he had the win, and you're in in the Preakness already with the big win and Golden Gate. <laughs> I never thought anybody would pass. It was the right move. <laughs> it was the right move. It, it and as as crazy as it sounds. Um, you know, the guy made the right call, and, and and I don't know that he did it for the right reason or the wrong reason, but in the end, it doesn't really matter. But, um, you know, yeah, I bet two f- horses in the future book, and one won the Derby, one won the Preakness. <laughs> I, I, I don't have anybody yeah, left. Yeah, yeah. I don't have anybody else. Uh, you know, I guess Ron Bauer could win the Belmont, but I don't I don't have any other unique tickets out there. But, uh, listen, I, I don't even play the future book. But this year, for whatever reason, I, I just thought that those horses... And, and and honestly, if Ron Bauer was thirty to one, I wouldn't have played him. And if if Medina Spirit was twelve to one, I wouldn't have played him. I played him because of the price. And I think that's how you got to okay. play the future book. But you know, you, right. these guys that try to take short prices in the future book, they're, they're, they, they, they there's a lot of things that can go wrong, man. You know, imagine if you had few, you know, AP Indy in the future book and and got that news morning of the race. Look, it's 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 the, it's the same thing here. You know, there there's uh, the New York Futurity, which is like there's three races. In Finger Lakes, there's the New York Derby, you know, the, for two for two year olds. There's a Colt race, a Philly race, and then there's there's one race at the end that Colts and Phillies can both run in uh, in September. And, then you, and I ran in with Mind Your Business; it was two hundred fifty thousand back then. Well, now these races are seventy five thousand and a hundred and a hundred thousand, and and you know to to make these sustaining payments, you got to pay another five hundred dollars now. You got to pay another seven hundred fifty dollars in in June. And the horses haven't even run yet, you know. And all of a sudden, you're looking at paying fifteen hundred dollars for, you know, maybe you 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 got a shot to run in the race. You don't know. <laughs> it's it's changed. Before you make the payment for a chance to win two fifty, to 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 win seventy five when the maiden special weight is seventy five or eighty doesn't really sound as appealing anymore. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Well, listen, the trotters deal with that all the time. They all they all make sustaining payments. You know, they're all early nominations, yearling nominations, and then sustaining payments. And the fact of the matter is, I I, I believe at some point that we're going to wind up doing that in this business, and, and we should. And the people who are winning all the races should be putting up some of the money, and that's all there is to it. I don't care if people don't like that. The fact of the matter is that uh, we're probably, we're, th- this day and age, we have too many stake races. There's way too many graded stake races for the population of horses we have, and too great of a percentage of purse money goes towards those races. They're bad races a lot of times. They're bad betting races. And, you know, I, we, we, we shouldn't be sustaining uh, three and four and five horse stake races, not 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 over a period of time. And uh, at some point, I think that uh, as, as purse money gets tighter, I think that that's going to be something that, that we really need to look at as an industry. Um, that the people that are benefiting from these, are, are it's a very small group of people. And they might have to contribute a little more if they want to. But, uh, I mean, at some point where you have to look at, you know, you can't keep paring the schedule down, paring the schedule down, paring the schedule down, and having fewer and fewer and fewer horses uh, in circulation and yet keep the same amount of great stake races. It just doesn't, it doesn't, you know. But meanwhile, if you're, if you're making these sustaining payments and you got to keep, you know, you, when you send in the nomination and you say you're nominating horse, you know, that's going to be a lot of confusing racing secretaries in the harness world. I hope this horse doesn't keep getting much better. 
I mean, if, if horse keeps winning in races like Pocono Downs and stuff like that, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. Or I think horse is too old already. You, you think I, you think I can name one of my two-year-olds Caballo? Uh, I've seen like a Caballo Grande or Caballo Rojo. I mean, just try to name one horse. Thing. Just what horse. A, what, a, what, a, what about uh, the old Rusty Arnold horse, Baracho? <laughs> <laughs> Always a fan favorite. Yeah. What, what was your, what was I, your I had some grooms named that. What was your favorite horse name that you ever trained? Oh. The favorite name? Yeah, the, 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 the best named horse you ever had. I don't remember. I don't know. Who knows? Nothing Nothing sticks out for you? No. Do you have one for me? No. You're, I, sa- I, you're saying this like you have a horse that... that I should remember. I mean, you had some, you had some, you had some, 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 some strong, solid names like like Seeking Answers. I think was a was a horse that didn't get enough love for for a good name. I didn't. It's I didn't a name, name him, for a horse. I, I, I know you didn't name him, but still, I named Seeking one. Answers. I, I think. Was a good I, I, name. I named one after my dad. I think he made one one start. <laughs> what was the horse's name? <laughs> Carlos. He ran once. That was it. You really went out. You you really got creative on the name too, huh? Yeah. <laughs> He's uh. He wasn't that very. He wasn't very good. He was pretty, but just like my dad, he was, was pretty. Very pretty. Very pretty. Uh, pretty <laughs> last. My dad's pretty nuts, man. He bets the Finger Lakes. He bets New Zealand. <laughs> There's no telling. We share a betting account, and like sometimes I'll look on there, and he'll have some wild bets at some places. I'm like, man, I didn't even know they had racing there. He might have bet Korea once, and everyone. Didn't. But, That's the guy uh, that wakes up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and can't fall back asleep. Yeah, you know, and, and and you know what he does? He likes to look for like the over, the like the like the value in the show pool at like you know Australian <laughs> harness. Like he'll find a horse that's like four to one, but the horse is like twenty to one in the in the place pool or something like that. Yeah, the horse paid eight dollars to win and eleven dollars to place, and I had two dollars to place on him. We see, we see where your creativity for your blog has come from, huh? Uh, I guess. I guess. Well, listen. Uh, I appreciate your time as always, and uh, absolutely. You never know. I'm probably going to hopefully, gonna... hopefully, hopefully, we'll do a uh, do a live remote from Saratoga this summer, maybe. Yeah, I'll, I'll make it to Saratoga uh, for sure. I uh... I need I need I need you to come out to Saratoga one day. Hopefully, they'll let you in the paddock. You know, you might not because you're not a you're not a horse owner or trainer right now, whatever, but uh, oh, I'll let you in the paddock. I, I need hey, you with, hey. your, with your straw hat. I need they, you with your straw hat. I don't have any more straw hats. They all died. Oh, no. We're going to get you. We'll get you a new straw hat. They can't keep and, me out. There's no way they can keep me out. You're, 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 you're an intimidating, you're an intimidating lad. I would, I would hope that they wouldn't keep you out. But, I, I, I've uh, been able to, you. I've been able to sneak in racetracks my whole life. I've, I, I've never seen, I've never seen more horses that that would be bullying a groom or something like that, and then you would come up to them and just look at them in the paddock, and they would just stop immediately, like they were completely intimidated. You know, what's funny it was, is, it was, is, is when you, you were talking earlier about like you know the whip rules and stuff, and talking about horses, you know how how unruly they can be. And I I thought, man, that was that was like my job for a long time was like to deal with the unruly ones, give him the chuck because he's big. <laughs> I remember when I, I I worked for Wayne Lucas for like a week. And remember Mountain Cat, first crop of Storm of Cat? Yeah, yeah. Mountain uh-huh. Cat has, was at Belmont, and, and there was some sort of Kentucky uh, s- series of four stake races in Kentucky. Um, 
And if you swept him, it was like a million dollar bonus. And okay. uh, he had won like the first two, or, or I think he'd won the first two, and then the, net, and the last two were in the fall. And he was at Belmont kind of doing a little R&R. And Jeff told me, he says, the most important job you have is, is walking this horse every day. You're the only one that's allowed to walk this horse. And I was like, all right, that's no problem. And he terrorized me for 40 <laughs> minutes every single day. That horse was the biggest, meanest, nastiest. The only horse that was, the, honestly, uh, the Riverman horse of the Chiefs, he, he was worse. That horse was like psychotic. Um, now, were you, were you around Chief with Devil is Due, though? Wasn't he? Yeah, uh, he wasn't uh, very uh, nice, too? but he was just a cult, you know? He was just studdish. Okay. Um, Virginia Rapids. Virginia Rapids was was like the... He, he was like a, a serial killer horse, man. He bit a, <laughs> he bit a lady's finger off um, at the farm when he went to stud. But, you know, Rivermans were, were always notoriously mean horses. Uh, when I worked for Skiffington, we had a couple that, that were, you know, you know, they were no fun, but... Yeah, Virginia Rapids. He he was he was terrible, man. He was like, whew. he was a horse like you're literally kind of like dreading having to deal with. He was just that that mean. But uh, yeah, there, there there are those types. That's for sure. And believe me, the whip. <laughs> he would laugh <laughs> at <luck>. your whip. <laughs> Good luck. I, I, had, I had a horse. I had a horse one time, and I I appropriately named her. She was my super saver. I named her Super Witch, and. Uh, Kendrick Carmuch was breezing her one time for me at Saratoga before she ever ran. And he's trying to teach her a little bit, get her switch leads, and she turned for home, and he just kind of, he, he showed it to her one time, and crashed her one time, and he said, she turned around in the middle of the breeze and, like, looked at him. And he goes, I'll ride this horse in a race, but never ask me to breeze her ever again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I believe that. But uh, I'll be up there at some point. Sure. Man, we'll have a good time. We'll have a good time. That's for sure. All right, you got but, it. Uh, anytime, man. as always, it's been uh, it's been a pleasure. And you got to keep keep doing what you're doing, Chuck. I know sometimes it it, it may feel like it, it falls on deaf ears, but you know there's a lot of people with two good ears that are listening to to you and your guests and 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 what you're saying. And and we need it. We need we need people like you, you know, pounding the drum for us because you know not all of us can uh, can speak up at at any given time. And you know, use your platform the way you are because I, I do think it. It is listened to by by people in the industry and and hopefully by decision makers that that can help make this game a better place. That's all we're trying to do. We want to make things better. Send my best to Casey too. Does a good job on the boards. Casey's the best. He, he, he even gave me a cookie today. So Casey's on. Oh, you must be doing a good job. Casey's on must, a good must list have been, today. Must have been before this interview started. Since afterwards, <laughs> he, he might take the cookie back from you. <laughs> Not too late. <laughs> Uh, all right all right thanks chad sounds good chuck you got it that was chad summers um is jim with us 